Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is the Secret Library Podcast, and here is your bonus episode with Heat Wave Edition Summer Reading Recommendations for the Northern Hemisphere. And cozy recommendations for the winter for the southern hemisphere but we decided that mary laura deserves her own episode so we're going to do these reading recommendations that we do seasonally as standalone solo bonus episodes and also because we always end up talking about how great the covers are for the books we are also going to release the video from now on, of our conversations with us holding up book covers on YouTube. So we will have links to the video version of the episode in the show notes, which you can get at secretlibrarypodcast.com. And you'll be able to check out Mary Laura and me blabbing about books and see our actual expressions in the actual book covers. But in the meantime, I hope you are ready to get some exciting new titles to Enjoy by the pool or by the fire, depending on where you are. And I hope you enjoy once again, Mary Laura and me talking about our favorite books for the last season. Here you go. Hey, Mary Laura. Hi. You have your own segment now. I love it because I talk too much. (laughs) No, it's because I can't stop talking to you. Oh, it's so fun. That's awesome. And we're doing this, for those of you listening, we are posting this on YouTube as well because you might want to see the covers, we thought. Yes. I have really? most of the covers with me. I do too. So let's go for it. What do you, what do you got for us to read this summer? Okay. I have mostly fiction this time. I and mean, that's how it goes in the summer, isn't it? I know. Well, there's just so much good fiction. I made my fiction oh my. list and then I was like, this is where we're going to cut it off. Um, <laughs> And I thought maybe I would go in order of mood, kind of from heavy, intense, Ooh. and get lighter as we go. Nice. It's like, it's like Marie Kondo. You go low, and then you go up. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. I know. Um, That's all I think about lately, cleaning out my home. Okay. So these are the two that I want to start with. Ta-da! Florida by Lauren Groff. Nice. And They're There by Tommy Orange. Um, And I'm starting with these because I feel like I can do them relatively quickly because you have probably heard about them everywhere (laughs) um, for good reason. Uh, Lots of people discovered Lauren Groff with Fates and Furies. That was Mm -hmm. her kind of her breakout book, not her first book, but the one where she kind of became a household name. Um, And this is short stories. And they are just as vibrant and sharp and kind of haunting is the wrong word, but They've got an eerie intensity to them. And they're obviously all set in Florida. And Lauren Groff has such a way of creating a sense of place so that you really can taste and smell and hear where you are in these stories. If you think you don't like short stories, and I know a lot of people, I hear this all the time in the bookstore. People are like, oh, I don't read short stories. Promise me you'll just read the first one. Mm. If you read the first one and you're not hooked, 
fine, but you will be hooked. (laughs) It's that good. I think short stories are having a moment now though. I kind of think they are too. They're they're kicking up. Like Danielle Lazarin is crushing it with her stories. Like I just feel like there's a number of stories come. Curtis Sittenfeld, like there's, their stories are, are on the rise. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're like bonus material from our favorite novelist that we're getting in between novels. So it's- Or they're like outtakes. Yeah, B-side. Yeah, um, they were working on when they wrote the books. Exactly. They're there. Mm. Oh, have you read this one yet? No. Okay. Plus I'm like, pick, Feathers on the Cover is like the, on the cover of 2018, I feel like. It's a big thing. Yeah, This and this is a- um, this is one of those books where you need to be in a place where you have lots of time okay. because you are not going to want to pick it up and put it down. You're going to want to just keep reading. Um, long flights. Book long flight. A, a flight would be perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Waterproof mascara or no mascara. Right. There will be crying. No without. Okay. Um, it's worth the price of the book just for the prologue. The prologue mm-hmm. gives this sort of crash course reminder of everything we know or think we know about Native American history. And it in and of itself is such a beautiful piece of writing. But then when the novel starts, that's when you really don't want to put it down. You've got alternating points of view, different characters. They're all uh, Native Americans, different ages, different generations. And the threads start to come together as each of these people is making his or her way to a powwow in Oakland. I don't want to give too much away. I feel like if I say too much about the characters, it's going to take away from some of the suspense. But I will remind you to breathe, especially when you get to the end. Okay. Breathing. This is a good one. Oh. Yeah. I'm in. So as long as we're in like super intense mode and we're talking about waterproof mascara. All right. The Mars Room. Oh. By Rachel Kushner. Wow. Um, this one I've been describing as Sing Unburied Sing mm-hmm. meets Orange is the New Black. Ooh. So you've got Sing Unburied Sing in that it's a very intense, deeply sad situation for these people. Um, Orange is the New Black because it's set in a woman's prison. So the main character is a young single mother who is serving two consecutive life sentences for a crime that is sort of hinted at at the beginning, but you get to know what it really is as the book goes on. Um, There is some really dry humor in this Mm. book. I did laugh out loud. There's some characters, some of the fellow inmates will make you laugh, um, but there's also a lot that will make you cry. There's so much in here that is just not fair. Right, bleak, and you just are reading, going, like it makes you mad that you can't change things for these people. Um, But so take a walk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give mental health tips. A lot of read. I know, read this, but breathe. (laughs) Breathe. Take a walk in the middle. Don't read this one straight through on the plane. Yeah, with this one, take a walk. Enjoy your freedom. (laughs) It's really good. I have a pairing for that one. You do what? I do. I'm so sad because I've already given it to somebody. So I would hold it up she was on the show she's on the show this week um oh. that as we're recording obviously this is now in the past but um michelle quo reading with patrick nonfiction. Oh. have you read that one no but i've heard about it oh and she is a dream a dream yeah. but yeah about a 
woman who graduated from college, went and did Teach for America in the um, Arkansas Delta, had a number of students that she got very close to, left kind of under pressure of her good girl kind of, she wanted to stay, but I think her family was like, you got into Harvard Law School, what are you doing? And so she deferred for a year and then went to Harvard Law School. And as she finished law school and was about to take a job, she found out that her student that she was closest to was in jail and there had been some sort of fight and the person he was in a fight with died. And so he was in jail for basically manslaughter. And so she went back, deferred her job, went back and taught him in wow. prison for a year so that I think he could still take his GED as he was waiting for trial. And it is oh, wow. amazing. Okay. That's a perfect read along for this. Right? Yes. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. So fiction, read both of those. You like fiction and you like nonfiction. We got one, yeah. read them both, but probably not right next to each other. You need, yeah. You need a power cleanser in between. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Anyway, we're, so we're working our way down the intensity scale. Um, a place for us by Fatima Farin Mirza. This is what getting lost. I know. And this is the ARC, so it's especially shiny. Ooh. The advanced cover. The, the hard cover is also shiny, but maybe not quite this reflective. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, it is. Sorry if I'm blinding you Just with that. listening, this book is gold. Yes. Like it is it's, shining light in my face as I'm looking <laughs> at it. It's amazing. Like it's, it's giving me a nice complexion when I shined it at my face. If you um, have cats, you can do that light thing where they want to jump very effectively with this book. Exactly. Um, so this book is getting lots of extra attention, obviously, because it's the first book from Sarah Jessica Parker's new imprint at Hogarth. And that is all well and good. But I think even if it were not Sarah Jessica Parker's first book at her new imprint, it right. deserves every bit of chatter because it is so memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit it took me a while to get into it. Mm-hmm. I took it with me on a trip. I got about 75 pages in and I texted a friend who had read it before me and I said, is this going to pick up or is it going to stay this slow? And she said, it stays this slow, but for a reason. So stay with it. Okay. So I stayed with it. Once I got to about a page hundred or so, I was hooked. It's about a family. It's not a fast paced novel. It's not a giant plot twist kind of novel. It's a Muslim Indian American family, mom, dad, three kids. Some of the conflict is your universal, just sibling rivalry, family squabbles type stuff. But some of the tension comes from the difference between how these kids want to live their lives and how their parents' traditions would dictate they live their lives. But I fell in love with these people and I felt like it is one of the most emotionally true stories about parenthood and siblinghood that mm. I have ever read. Just wonderful. Mm. It deserves every bit of talk that's happening around it right now. Nice. So a place for us. Yay. Yay. Okay. Yay! I love this so much. Do you? Okay. Yes. This is the great she's coming believers. on. She's great. She is? Yes, she's coming Yay. on. The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. I feel like oh. this is the book that's gonna make her a household name. I think so. Do too. You? I do. Um, I mean, I loved, I loved a uh, hundred year house, but I feel like this is the one where everybody, this is going to just go completely mainstream. It's, um, I like that. It's, it's really, the character is so deep, but it's also, she does that thing where you've got two plot lines and they're yep. both really interesting and you're both like, what is going to happen? Yeah. And she yeah. does that back and forth where you're like, <gasps> yes. 
Yeah. Yes. I, this was one of those books where I would, bef- I would all day long be so excited to get back to my sofa and read this book and like rub my hands together gleefully when I got to yep. sit down and read it. Um, so like you said, two plot lines. You've got one in 2015 in Paris. There's a woman searching for her adult daughter. And that's a great storyline. But the one that I really like could not stop mm-hmm. thinking about was uh, 1985 Chicago this group of men and friends and family whose relationships are all changing as the AIDS epidemic begins to affect them. And this truly, like when I wasn't reading this book and thinking about how excited I was to be reading this book, I was thinking about these characters and wondering, it's just like you and I were talking about before we, before we went on air about the Americans and how we can't stop thinking about the characters, even though the show is over, I can't stop thinking about these people. Yeah even though I have finished the book. And it is heartbreaking, but also engaging and not relentlessly bleak. No. There's a reason this wasn't at the top of the show. This is now. It's, it's, it's heavy, like but it's not. It's out of the heaviest era. Yeah. Yeah. I love this book. I'm so excited about it. I think this is like my go-to fiction recommendation. When someone comes in the store this summer and they don't really know what they want, I'm just going to hand them this. I think that's the way to go. Because go it's, with it. it's got enough heft. It's, it's really, it moves along. Even mm-hmm. if people are going to be like, oh, that's a big book. Be like, don't worry. It moves really fast. Really. Yeah. It's got and, a little But it's like, it's like a smart person's summer read where you're like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. I've been running my mouth. I got to talk faster. Talk faster. (laughs) The Girl Who Never Read Noam Chomsky. This is not a summer book. This was a spring book and it snuck up on me. Mm, I I love your snuck up on you books. I do too. I didn't discover it until it was already on bookshelves. Um, In fact, my friend Rachel, who works at Knopf, sent me a copy and said, she put a note in it, said, nothing much happens in this and I think you'll love it. (laughs) And she was exactly right. It's not a big sweeping plot book. It's a novel about an every woman. We, we meet her when she's in school and we follow her throughout her whole life. She does all the regular things, dating, mm. marriage, motherhood, trying to make it as a writer. The voice is what makes this one. I felt nice. very seen mm. by this book. Love it. Okay. I'm moving faster. Here we go. You got it, girl. Look at this cover. Uh, the Ensemble by Asia Gable. Like red poppies and flowers and just I mean, boom. Ooh, it's beautiful. This is another great go-to recommendation when somebody says, I want to read something good, but I don't know what I want. Mm-hmm. If you like novels about groups of friends, which I do, I love, I mean, I love like a group of friends that we've just followed for decades. This particular group of friends, all four of them, um, work as an ensemble, literally. They are a classical musical quartet. Aww. And... Yeah, and I first of all, I had no idea the world of classical music was so cutthroat. Oh yeah, lots of ambition and secrets and all that stuff that gives it good tension, but also mm. friendship and fights and making up. And each person in this quartet has to decide at some point or at many points whether they're going to stay in the quartet or they're going to go off on their own. Mm. So as they get older and as they, you know, we're with these people through their thirties, forties, fifties. Um, we start to see them living with the consequences of decisions they made when they were younger. And that felt very real to nice. me, being well, a grown-up myself. Right, exactly. You still yeah. see those things unfolding. Yeah. Okay. Fun book. Oh, Katie I just Matt got Cassidy. that one in the mail. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So when the world feels like a garbage fire, which it does right now. Yes, and it does. Sadly. Seems to all the time now. Yeah. You need a book that is just fun, happy. No one's going to die tragically. 
it's flirting, romance, sexual tension, just yay, rom-com. This is like turning on the TV and flipping around until you find one of those 90s rom-coms with Kate Hudson, except that it's not 90s and it's not Kate Hudson and we don't have any Matthew McConaughey in it because it's two women. So something kind of different and fun, you know, Camille Perry, she did the assistance a couple years Mm -hmm. ago, which was like beach reading gold. She's good (laughs) at this. She knows what she's doing. So that's your fun book. Nice. And then I said, I was just going to do fiction, but I did want to grab one nonfiction really (laughs) fast just because you can't not talk about the new David Sedaris. Oh, new David Sedaris. It is everything you expect from David Sedaris dream it's it's essays you've read some of them before in the new yorker some of them will be familiar but i feel like even the ones that you've seen before feel fresh and different when they're in the context of the collection and it's called calypso he's you know he's getting older he's writing about things that are on his mind as he gets older so there's more here than we've had before on mortality and family and so it gets i feel like it gets a little deeper than some of his past collections have gone but it's still hysterical and if you can go see him live and hear him read some of this stuff do it yeah it's it's so good how'd i do go to david sedaris you did great you did great (laughs) i have three i want to tell you about that i'm just going to mention on here too i'm doing um a less profound thing i have a stack and i'm going to go smallest book to largest book. oh i love it because it looks attractive in a stack okay first one (laughs) From Alone, Quiet Sea, Donal Ryan. Have you read this one? No, but somebody was just telling me about that the other day. What do you think? It's uh, it's a triptych, basically. Well, Mm -hmm. I I had him on. He's coming on. He, of course, says in his beautiful Irish accent, it's a very simple structure. You know, it's no big deal. And I was just like, for you. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's three different POVs. Could not be more different. So oh, you're wow. reading a, tr- a triptych of them and you're like, how are these going to come together in any way at all? The first one is a man from Syria who's a refugee who shows up. The second is like kind of a, a European, we'll say World Cup football hooligan, although there's no reference to the World Cup. I'm just thinking about it because it's happening <laughs> now. And then the third one is this man who's sort of a sociopath. And, and they all have these stories that you're just like, I don't understand. I, I know their significance because they're okay. next to each other, but I don't know how. And then there is sort of a, thir- a fourth section where you kind of, you oh, know, see all of these things knit together. It's a different I kind of that. suspense. It's not a plot suspense. It's a, how are these going to come together? And it's beautiful. It's also short and just That's like perfect. knocks you right out. I read it in like two sittings. It was great. Um, okay. Interesting. Um, Trickster Ooh, feminism poetry. Look at that cover. It's great. Wow. I love it. I love it. But the interesting thing about this is that I don't read a lot of poetry, which I'm going to admit to her when I speak to her to interview her about this. <laughs> <laughs> I find poetry a little bit intimidating. Yeah, but, most people do. But this one I found really accessible. The language is really accessible. And she dares to dally in politics and more modern right. language. And so it, I think when you feel like, as we said, the world is a garbage fire and you just want to read something that acknowledges things are difficult, but in a way that's kind of hopeful and the language is chewy and you can get into it. Ooh. I think, I think this is a good option. Um, Trickster Feminism wow. by Anne Waldman. Okay. I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely. And then my final, um, what we were promised by Lucy Tan 
which is a debut novel from Little Brown. And it's about um, this family that has lived in the U. They're from China. They mm -hmm. moved to the U.S. for a long time and are now coming back to China. And okay. there's this two perspective thing again, where one is a woman who's sort of newly adapting this Thai Thai um, woman of leisure lifestyle and is living in a residential hotel. And then the other perspective is a woman named Sunny. We don't really get into her Chinese name. There's a heartbreaking scene where she picks the name Sunny out of like a bag of name tags. Oh. She's the, the housekeeper for their space. And at the beginning, there's an accusation about a stolen bracelet. Um, oh. And it kind of goes through class and structure and, and what it means, what home means. And then mm -hmm. there's also a, a bit of a twist in the family relationships between this woman who has a much deeper past than you realize and her connection to her husband's family. I won't say more, but, but you're kind of like, Oh, you know, it really yeah. kind of builds and, and twists around. So that's that, yeah. that one sounds like it might be a good uh, pairing with the levers by Lisa Ko. Mm, mm -hmm. Totally. I want to read that now. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. so we did it. We did it. We did it. So everybody read these, get excited. Yeah. And read all these things. There's so many more coming in July too. Like I had to cut myself off just with books that are out right now. I didn't even well, get we will, about to be out. We will talk again because there's more. There's always more. Thank you. Coming. Yay. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.